thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damian Kristoff. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into our lives. Gentlemen, I'm pretty excited about today because we have a very special guest from all the way from the States, from the Weston A. Price Foundation. We have Sally Fallon. Uh, she's the co-founder and president of the Weston A. Price Foundation. And um, she has a degree in Stanford University and also from UCLA and has co-authored two cookbooks uh, with the co-founder, uh, Mary, um, Nourishing Traditions, the cookbook that challenges politically correct nutrition and the diet Dictorats and eat fat, dictocrats. lose. Dictocrats. I did. English is not my first language. Um, and the second book is Eat Fat, Lose Fat, Lose Weight, and Feel Great with the Three Delicious Science Based Coconut Diets. Welcome, Sally, to the Wellness Guy Show. Oh, thank you for having me. Sally, you have, um, it's been a great thing to have, obviously, with the Weston A. Price Foundation. It's been a, a massive um, membership. I think it's over, I don't know, it must be around 13, 15,000 people now? Uh, actually, it's 16,000 now. Wow, fantastic. Wow. Yeah, it's Good great. Job. Very it's proud great. of that. We'd like it to be 100,000. <laughs> oh, well, hopefully we can help you get, get there. Wouldn't we all? Yeah, okay. Cool. So, uh, Sally, tell us a little bit of what the foundation is about and uh, who it's obviously West, Western Price is the one um, you based everything from. Tell us why the foundation was started and what is it all about? All right. That's a, that's a tall order there, but uh, it's named after Weston Price who studied tradition, the diets of healthy traditional peoples back in the 30s and 40s, isolated peoples. And the, he found 14 groups that exhibited superb health, particularly dental health. They had no cavities and they had beautiful straight teeth. None of the people in the tribe needed braces. They had beautiful wide faces and strong physiques. The number one characteristic of these diets, and you have to understand, they were all over the planet. They were in the Arctic and the South Seas and South America and Europe. And uh, so the diets were all very different in the particulars. But the number one basic characteristic was all of these diets were very high in what we call the fat-soluble activators, vitamins A, D, and K. And you can only get these from the very foods that we're being told today not to eat. So it would be butter and egg yolks from grass-fed animals, organ meats, animal fats, certain seafoods like cod liver oil, fish eggs, and shellfish. So the very foods that are rich in cholesterol and saturated fat that we're being told to avoid were the foods that were most highly valued by these traditional people. So we set up the Weston A. Price Foundation to provide the scientific underpinnings for what Dr. Price found, to show the scientific validation of traditional food ways, and to help people establish these kinds of diets in their lives, to show them they don't need to be afraid of these foods, and also to help them find these foods. We have a, an extensive system of local chapters that connects uh, consumers with farmers who are raising animals on pastures and doing things right. Cool. And it's awesome, Sally. Like I, I follow sort of the paleo diet and, and love that. And, uh, and so I think a lot of what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me and I like it. Um, and obviously, there's a few differences there as well. I guess, you know, the basis of, the, of both the diets is pretty similar. Uh, but then I guess there's a bit more of a focus on perhaps fermented foods with the Western A price stuff. Do you want to talk a little bit about fermented stuff? Well, first, let me just say that uh, I actually think that there's some very uh, serious differences between the paleo diet and what we're recommending in that the paleo diet is recommending a lot of lean meat 
And traditional cultures never ate lean meat. They always made sure they ate the fat with the meat. So we have much more emphasis on the fats and the organ meats. Nice. Uh, we, um, we promote grains. Uh, grains need to be properly prepared so that they're easy to digest. But many, many traditional cultures thrived on grains. And we know that grains were in the Paleolithic diet. Uh, we do promote lacto-fermented foods, which add good, um, uh, healthy flora to the gut and help us digest our food. This was a universal practice, whether it was Eskimos, South America, uh, Europe, wherever people fermented foods and ate these foods uh, on a daily basis. So we've been uh, in the forefront of teaching people about the benefits of fermented foods and how to prepare them. Fermentation is so important, isn't it, Sally? And a lot of people, I suppose, don't eat a whole lot of uh, fermented food in, in their diet, apart from yogurt. You know, some people get a fair bit of yogurt into their diet and their, into their life. But I suppose you're talking about other things. Obviously, um, fermenting grains activates certain nutrients and blocks other anti-nutrients, which I know you guys right. do speak of. Um, what other sorts of foods could you eat that are fermented? I mean, you also talk about yeah. don't doing soy, which I think all three of us would agree. And in fact, all four of us would agree don't do soy. <laughs> but um, what else would you talk about in terms of fermented foods? Yes. Well, actually, almost any food can be fermented. I mean, the most common fermented food is sauerkraut, uh, fermented cabbage. And we're not talking about sauerkraut that's pasteurized or made with vinegar or sugar. We're talking about this process called lacto-fermentation, which is completely natural. It's completely raw. I, I call this a super raw food because it's really high in enzymes and good bacteria. But actually, you can ferment almost anything. Uh, obviously, you can ferment cucumbers to make pickles. You can ferment peppers. You can ferment uh, taro. The taro root was fermented mm. in uh, Hawaii. The Eskimos fermented fish by throwing them in a hole in the ground and letting them get rotten. We see fermented fish in many Scandinavian countries, fermented meats in Southeast Asia and uh also in many countries. So this is a universal practice uh, that's um, fairly limited in the West to dairy products and things like sauerkraut. Um, going back to what you said about the saturated fats, and I mean, obviously, with those, you know, with you saying that uh, having saturated fat, and uh, I know that most dietitians and you know nutritionists, quote unquote, um, would absolutely hate that. Um, and yeah. you know, thinking, you know, they would. I'm sure you have, you know, gotten a lot of reviews, and and, and uh, people would not and saying that you guys are totally wrong. What do you say to that? I mean, they're saying that uh, obviously. I think the things that they were saying that you know we don't live in the primitive uh, culture anymore. We live in Western society, and you know, that uh, we live in a sedentary lifestyle, so we don't need saturated fat anymore. What, how do you respond to that? Uh, well, we absolutely do need saturated fat. The body needs saturated fat in every cell. And if we don't eat saturated fats, the body will make saturated fats out of carbohydrates. And that is actually another danger of some of these extreme paleo diets with lean meat and no carbohydrates, the body is starved of the saturated fats it needs. Um, I like to say that if you're afraid of saturated fat, you are going to go down the wrong road. Nutritionally speaking, you're going to make the wrong choices. The very first thing we need to do is get saturated fats back into our diet. That means butter, cream, whole milk, a, a full fat cheese. That means eating the fats on the meat. That means cooking in lard. It means cooking in tallow. Uh, it means using duck fat and goose fat, which are fairly saturated as well, We and, and coconut oil, which is saturated. 
we absolutely need to get these fats back in our diet. And, you know, somebody who's struggling with their health, doesn't feel well, doesn't have good energy, that would be the first thing I'd say to them. Get these saturated fats back into your diet. You will be amazed at how much better you feel. And uh, let me just say that this whole um, campaign against saturated fat uh, was a definitely a conspiracy. I don't mind using that word because I've written about it and, and shown how it was done by the vegetable oil industry to demonize our competition. And it's been going on for 100 years. And we we just need to throw that off and, and start over again with um, a diet that's based on common sense and, and good science. Well said. Yeah. And, and I'm completely with you on that, Sally. I reckon saturated Will fats are super important and definitely include a lot of those in my diet with the coconut oil and the nice fatty meats. And, and as long as they're grass-fed, that's, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm all for it there. So um, the other one we touched on just briefly before was soy. And I think just for the listeners, it would be really great if you could really dig into sort of your thoughts on soy and why you think soy isn't the option that perhaps – or the healthy option we've been perhaps led to believe it is. Yes, the Weston A. Price Foundation has been the leading voice warning people about the dangers of soy. Soy is a toxic plant. This has been recognized for 60 years. There are over 200 entries in the FDA poisonous plant database on soy. It causes endocrine disruption and it causes thyroid problems. It is a goitrogen that depresses thyroid function. And in Asia, when people say, well, what about the Asians? Asians eat lots of soy. Well, the Asians don't eat lots of soy. And traditionally, they ate very small amounts of soy. And it was usually fermented, another fermented food, which is a process that gets rid of many of the toxins in soy. But it does not get rid of these estrogen-like substances, which cause the thyroid problems and the estrogen and the hormonal disruption. So we warn people to avoid soy as much as possible, and that's difficult because soy is in so many processed foods. What people don't realize is, you know, where does this push for soy come from? Well, 80% of the oil used in junk foods and processed foods is soybean oil. And after they have pressed the oil out of the seed, they have this high-protein sludge gunk left, and the industry figured out, how to remove the protein from this uh, sludge and uh, then uh, make it into all kinds of fake foods using this hyper, it's called soy protein isolate. So um, they went on this huge campaign to try to convince people that it was good for them when it really, they were just trying to get rid, rid of a toxic waste product. Wow. Did not know that. Yeah. It's very scary. It's scary. scary. There's actually it's really companies. scary. And, and we are getting so many people who are infertile, uh, who have um, uh, thyroid problems, and very often these people have been eating a lot of soy. Yeah, it's not uncommon, is it? I've seen that in practice over the last 15, 16 years since I've been in practice. And the more soy people consume, I think the sicker they get uh, from a gorgogenic yeah. point of view, but a uh, estrogen removal point of view. Most people's livers can't cope with the amount of estrogen that that's uh, kind of pumping yes, out or that's creating. Right. And Very you know, it's also extreme. Yeah, it's extremely hard to digest as well, mm, mm. and you get a lot of digestive disorders. Um, good for burps. Good for farts. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, good for farts, and it's uh, it's loaded with oxalic acid, and oxalic acid, you know, can cause kidney stones. Yeah, challenge. That's it. You know, Sally. 
I, uh, you know, I notice on your website you say don't have a sparte. Um, but, you know, and, and I agree 100% with that. I think that we all should just eat sugar. If you want something sweet, eat sugar or eat yeah. something that's naturally occurring. And I yeah. love rapadura sugar. Love it. Love it a bit. Yeah. But, you know, you'll be seeing this in the States as well. We're seeing it over here. There's this uh, big push towards these other things called natural sweeteners. And they contain a little bit of stevia, say 1% or 2%, and the rest of it's erythritol. Uh, or you know, and then, well, what's what's your take on that, Sally? Well, you know, I I don't think any of these uh, manufactured sugars are needed, and they're all pro, you know manufactured in a laboratory in a in a factory. Uh, nature has given us many wonderful natural sweeteners, and traditional cultures use these sweeteners. I just think of the American Indians; they use the maple syrup and the maple sugar. You had coconut sugar in the South Seas. You had, uh, you know, uh, sorghum syrup and, and those kinds of sugars in, in many places. So nature provides sweeteners. We have a sweet taste in our mouth. That means we should have some sweet foods. Uh, but what we find when people get on this diet and get plenty of uh, fat-soluble activators in their diet, eat plenty of fat, is those cravings for sweet things go away. And your consumption uh, is just then very moderate. You know, they're just an occasional treat. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine in the context of a traditional diet. I'm going to just switch topics for one second. I'm really interested in this. Um, You've been hearing a lot about you know, raw milk. And, um, you, you know, obviously with your foundation, you guys push for an, a consumption of unpasteurized milk. Um, could you tell us a little bit about, tell our listeners as well as what, like, what is wrong with pasteurized milk? Why is it so bad? And why would raw milk be so much better for you? Okay. Well, uh, milk is a, an amazing food. Uh, it's full of components that build the immune system that protect us against disease that help absorb all of the vitamins and minerals in the milk. These are very delicate enzymes. And in the process of pasteurization, these enzymes are warped and distorted and they don't work at very well or at all after the milk has been pasteurized. Also, the proteins uh, become quite allergenic and the milk becomes very difficult to digest. So you basically t- turn a, a wonderful food into a very problematic food. And the proof is in the fact that Consumption of pasteurized and ultra-pasteurized milk has been declining at the rate of 1% to 3% per year for the last 30 years. And that's because people simply cannot tolerate this kind of milk, this uh, heat-treated milk anymore. And it's the number one allergy. You've taken you know, nature's perfect food and turned it into a highly allergenic food. Uh, we are getting some wonderful studies out of Europe showing that raw milk is a, a very uh, strong pr- protective factor, protects children against asthma, allergies, and eczema. Uh, these uh, can be life-threatening conditions in children, and raw milk can, can help with these. The uh, accusation is that raw milk is dangerous, uh, that it will, you know, It'll kill you. <laughs> one one right. health official said he'd rather drink gasoline than raw milk. Oh, uh, but we've actually that's done ridiculous. the science. And, and, you know, we look at the science. Let him do it. Yeah, and the science shows us that raw milk is a low-risk food. It is not a food without risk, but it is a food with very low risk and mm. much lower than many other foods that are allowed. You know, for example, in the United States, 15 people die from eating raw oysters every year. And yet that's a food that's allowed, that's served in restaurants. 
Yeah. No one has died from raw milk. We've looked back decades in the records. We find no deaths from raw milk. So it, there's a real double standard when it comes to raw milk. We need to really fight for it. Um, I'd love to see, uh, we set up a legal defense fund for raw milk farmers in the United States. And I'd love to see something like that in Australia. I think they're working on the same kind of thing in New Zealand. We need one in Canada. We need one in Europe to defend these farmers and put them on the level playing field with the big boys. Mm. With regards to this raw milk thing, like from what I remember when I was studying back in Canada, um, the one of the ways you can get raw milk is actually not to for consumption, but you can use it to bathe yourself. I think people would use it. For, yeah. uh, is that is that still going on now? Is it the only way well, to get I raw think, milk? I think that's going on in Australia. Yeah, in is. Canada, there are cow share programs, mm-hmm. and um, these are being disputed in the courts right now. But there, there's maybe forty or fifty cow share programs in Canada. Hmm. And, you know, in some places like British Columbia, you just drive across the border to Washington State and go in a health food store and buy raw milk. So, <laughs> the, <laughs> so you know, there, there, there's just a, a vast uh, array of, um, of laws depending on the state. Right. Crazy, huh? crazy. So, Sally, we've spoken a bit about raw milk there, and, and I know you guys recommend a lot of other sort of, you know, eating a lot of other raw food as well, including even, you know, talk, talk a little bit about raw meats as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about that yes. and, and sort of the benefits yeah, of that? Yeah, you know, all traditional cultures ate some of their animal foods raw. You think of raw oysters, raw shellfish, raw fish, uh, and raw meat. And I think one of the benefits is that the raw meat is extremely rich in B6. And this is one of these vitamins that's very um, fragile, um, destroyed by heat, and we need B6. You know, it's an extremely important vitamin. So I think of something like steak tartare or carpaccio or kibbe, which is raw lamb from the Middle East. Every European country has at least one raw meat dish that's eaten occasionally. And I I do think we should eat raw meat, drink raw milk, uh, eat raw oysters um, frequently. And they are wonderful sources of B6. They're also good sources of B12. Great, great points. And, you know, B6 is so important for adrenal function. How many people out there are tired and burned out and and really not coping well with stress? You know, what a great thing to do. Go and... Bite a, bite a cow or catch a kangaroo with with Brett and uh, and have a, have a bit of a bite before you let it go. That'd be great. I think it is important. It's a great it's a great thing to talk about. But you know, one of the other well, great you know, things. Uh, sorry, just uh, interrupting there. One one thing I really like is steak tartare, and it's you know it's the ground beef with the fat mm. and uh, egg yolks, raw egg yolks and salt and chopped onions, and it's absolutely delicious. Yep. And I tell you, if nice. you are tired and worn and burn out, worn out and burnt out, that will revive you very quickly. If it doesn't, you must be nearly dead because they, they're, yeah, amazing. Right. <laughs> they're amazing. Right. Hey, you know, there's one thing that I really think is excellent, and there's many things that are excellent about the Western A Price program, but there's one thing that I absolutely love, and it comes back to something that Lawrence is very, very passionate about, and that's mindset. And and I know that it comes a long way down the list after all the food suggestions, all the things you should avoid, and all those sorts of things you talk about. Think positive thoughts and practice forgiveness. Now, practicing forgiveness almost sounds like it's religious, but... Can you tell us more about that? 
Well, I just, uh, I, this is actually quite scientific. I mean, it seems like we're getting off into metaphysics here. But we, you, we know that when you're angry, That's your okay. stomach actually um, knots up. <clears throat> it's a muscle and it, it tightens. And the food actually can't get through it very well. So it's very difficult to digest our food when we're mad. And so we, I always say, you know, let the anger pass before you sit down and have a meal. And uh, that's just, um, you know, good scientific advice in a way. Yeah. Well, you know, to, I often talk about uh, how stress diverts blood from the gut, uh, so thereby yes. impacting, um, you know, the ability to digest, absorb, and then, you know, detoxify and eliminate. So that's it's very important to make sure that you're avoiding stress. And you're right, the, the science does point to the fact that if you can practice forgiveness and think positive thoughts and you decrease the effect of stress in your body. So that's all really important, I think. And, you know, the other thing that's extremely important for stress gets back to our fat-soluble activators is vitamin A. We cannot make hormones that deal with stress without vitamin A. And they're, they're actually made out of cholesterol with the help of vitamin A. So these, once again, these foods high in cholesterol and the cod liver oil and the liver and the grass-fed butter, all these foods that give us vitamin A are extremely important for helping us deal with stress. Beautiful. And uh, Sally, there's a number of other things you guys talk about. Obviously, one of the ones that I love to talk about is cookware as well. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that yes. we use to cook and store our food in nowadays is, is just not healthy for us and, and leaching all sorts of stuff into our food. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, number one would be aluminum. You definitely don't want to cook in aluminum, and that includes the high-end spun aluminum, uh, you know, uh, cookware. Uh, stainless steel is okay for most people unless you're very sensitive to nickel, and in which case there are brands of stainless steel which unfortunately are very expensive but which don't leach nickel. Uh, glass is excellent. Um, good quality enamel is excellent. Um, and then, of course, you have the food storage, and that, that's a real dilemma because it's so convenient and easy to store things in plastic. Uh, but it's really better to store things in glass or enamel. I was just wondering, Sally, um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of microwaves, and, and I always speak out about microwaves and say don't use them. If you're going to use them, use them as uh, a great way to warm a heat bag or a wheat bag to put on your shoulders. You know, that's, that's what I think. It's the most expensive heat wheat you know, bag warmer on the planet. But, you know, if that's what you get, you've got a microwave for, then at least you're putting it to good use. Um, is, is there much science out there saying, you know, don't use microwave yeah, to cook protein? Because that's what I've heard. Yeah, I, I was. I wish there were more science. I, I, there's not a lot of science, and I have to admit that. But I do know one thing. Uh, it used to be in the preemie wards in the hospitals, you know, they'd get frozen mother's milk, and they would heat the mother's milk in the microwave. And if no. they gave that to the babies, the babies died. They That's died terrible. of kidney. Yeah, they got died of um, kidney failure. And so there is a rule in the hospitals that they are not to warm the bottles in the microwave. They are to warm them in a, in a bottle warmer. Now, doesn't that tell you something? And, and the doctor who wrote this up, he said that the uh, microwaving creates kidney toxins. Uh, now, okay. kidney disease is one of the um, most serious things that we have today. It's the number one cost in our medical system is kidney disease. And I just, you just have to ask yourself, is microwaving all this food contributing to kidney disease? We don't have any science, but I think it's a question that needs to be looked at. 
Mm. Yeah, I think we're getting onto all the juicy topics now because yeah, micros are on the same. I've just never felt right about them, and I've never used one. Um, and I've yeah. tried to look for the science there, and it's it's really hard to find good science about it. Um, but uh, but it just doesn't seem right. I think this, this is where it I come doesn't from. seem right. I know that the the Russians did quite a bit, uh, and I, whether you want to accept that or not, but uh, they don't allow the microwave in Russia. So mm. Mm. yeah, and and you know they do they do leak. Uh, Apart from what it does to the food, they do the microwaves uh, come out of the oven, and no matter how, how high a quality of oven that you have, mm, it's pretty scary. And stuff. so, while we're on the controversial topics, let's uh, let's have a little bit of a touch on water fluoridation, Sally, because I know that's something you talk about as well. Yes, well, fluoride is a poison. <laughs> I mean, all these poisons we're adding to our food. It is actually a toxic waste. Yeah. Leftover from several industries, the aluminum industry, the nuclear industry, and the fertilizer industry. <laughs> and just like the soy protein, oh, you know, how do they get rid of this toxic waste? Well, let's put it in the food supply. And uh, they sort of invented this thing that fluoride would protect against tooth decay. Now, all of this was uh, starting when Dr. Price was doing his work. And he said, now, wait a minute. I've found all of these cultures with beautiful teeth and no tooth decay, and they weren't using fluoridated water. So I don't think that this is what um, protects us against tooth decay. Uh, I think people are finally waking up. Um, I just read a study which found that children who had fluoridated, grew up with fluoridated water could expect at least a seven-point lower IQ. Is that wow. what we want to do with our children? Yes. So um, Israel just voted to ban fluoridated water, citing health concerns. Uh, it is an enzyme inhibitor, and and it, once again, it's toxic to the thyroid gland. So uh, we've got you know, this tremendous assault on thyroid health throughout Absolutely. the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, there's a lot of people that will be listening to this, I think, right now, Sally, and we've got a lot of healthy listeners, heaps of healthy listeners, and uh, they'll be going, oh, I feel lucky that I don't do that. But they might be thinking in the back of their mind, oh, but I did do that once before. Now, we're very vitalistic in our approach, and we think that the body has the ability to heal. Do, do you believe that? Can, can the body reverse some of the damage that might have been done by some of these things? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we've seen it happen over and over again, uh, especially if they can get over their fear of fats and get onto a, a, a nice, healthy, high-fat diet. Uh, what's most exciting to us is how you can reverse what Dr. Price called physical degeneration in the next generation. And I, I'm a perfect example. Um, I, I needed braces to straighten my teeth. All my brothers and sisters needed braces, and I had four children with naturally straight teeth. Uh, so I reversed it by following these principles. And we have a, on our website something called the Healthy Baby Gallery, and you can go and see these beautiful babies that were born to parents who had the wisdom and the love to uh, plan ahead for their babies, to start this uh, nutrient-dense diet before conception and to con continue it through pregnancy and lactation, and then to start their babies off on truly healthy foods like liver and egg yolks instead of canned vegetables and, um, you know, rice cereal. So uh, that, that's what's really exciting to me and it kind of keeps me going. You know, everyone has days when they feel discouraged, but then I get a letter from a parent so grateful for the advice that we gave them and then usually a picture of their beautiful baby. 
Oh, wow, that's fantastic. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, Sally, one of the things that you guys um, support is the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund. Um, you know, could you tell us a, more, like, what do you think the main reason is why people are so against, you know, farmers to basically deal directly with consumers? Is it money? Is it control? Where is this resistance coming from? Well, yes, it's, it's a lot of things. Uh, number one, I think it's a philosophical thing. It has been... Um, uh, drummed into the bureaucracy at the USDA and the FDA that we would starve if we had small farms and that the Mm. only way we're going to feed the world is industrial farms. And there's actually a real hatred of small farms in these agencies. And what people don't realize is this is the Marxist agenda. While everyone was concerned about so-called communists and the State Department, the Marxist agenda totally infiltrated the Department of Agriculture. So there's that one, that's one point, this philosophical objection to small farms, uh, a kind of condescending attitude to small farms, and it's, it's better for the farmer to just make him go out of business and you know, he can go live in a city somewhere. Uh, and secondly is the, um, the industrialization of our food supply, the, um, the uh, what I call vulture capitalism, wants to grab hold of every aspect of our lives, including food. And um, they did that with milk through pasteurization. They're doing that through food safety laws, uh, just making it um, very hard for the small farmer to sell directly to the consumer because they control things by forcing the food to go through um, some kind of treatment before it gets to the consumer. Mm. Sally, it's been amazing to have you on the show. It's been, uh, man, we cover a lot of ground here in, in 30 you minutes. Did. So uh, a lot of writing topics. So um, Sally, if, I mean, obviously people are going to want to know more information about you and uh, what you do. Could you tell us uh, the websites that we can, people can contact you or even just uh, have a look at any information that you guys have? Right. Well, our na- main website is the Weston A. Price Foundation website. It's the number one alternative nutrition website in the world. Uh, it is westonaprice.org. That's W-E-S-T-O-N-A-P-R-I-C-E.org. And it's a huge website. If you're new to it, look on the right-hand nav bar and do the take a tour <clears throat> and start there and take a tour through the website. Um, secondly is my own website. It's newtrendspublishing.com. Uh, my uh, little publishing company publishes my book, Nourishing Traditions. I have a new book, The Nourishing Traditions Book of Baby and Child Care, and some DVDs and a number of other books on diet and health, including a book on the dangers of soy and a book about raw milk. Fantastic. And for all those listeners, I'm sure you're going to find a lot of information in those two websites. And uh, I definitely encourage you guys to check out her books because they're pretty amazing. It's just full of information. Uh, Guys, make sure you go to thewellnesscouch.com. Leave your comments below this particular episode. Or actually, better yet, go to our Facebook page and keep the conversation alive uh, because we'd love to know know, more about what you think about this particular episode and what your thoughts about uh, Sally's uh, comments uh, that she's made uh, throughout the show. Um, Guys, also, too, go to iTunes because you know how Damien loves his five-star rating. So make sure you subscribe to us and leave (laughs) your comments and the five-star rating if we deserve it. So until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example and let's change the world health together join us next week on the wellness guy show 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, Damien Christoph from 100 Not Out here. Wow, what a wellness summit we had in Melbourne. 600 people filled the Crown Conference Centre to listen to Cindy O'Meara and her Up For A Chat colleagues, David Gillespie, Ron Ehrlich, Nicole Bilgema and the Wellness Guys, of course. And guess what? We recorded every single minute of it. That's right. You can see nine world-class speakers with over seven hours of footage in the comfort of your own home. How cool is that? The best news is, until midnight Saturday the 7th, September 2013, this pack is just $147. Then it'll go to $197. So, to pre-order your Wellness Summit Home Study Program for just $147, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com and click on Shop. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.